0: Okay, thank you all for joining us. Um, really, there's no need for introduction. And all the, all the many introductions that I gave were um, just leading up to this introduction. So the introduction, really, I guess I'll, I'll have to... Um, suffice it to say that throughout the Welt, people... There are certain people that are known as we say of Yankif, and it's a zachi, say Ramasha, you say that's Ramasha. So I had this kus to know my father as Abba, but throughout the Yeshiva vault you just say hey, that's it, that's enough. And that will be the Mela I think call it Gardeya. and that will be the introduction. As as a um, <clears throat> somewhat of a, of a hakdama to what I'd like to say, the fact that such a mitzvah exists is remarkable. That that people who are beyond the kaisle beis have an understanding and appreciation that having a kvias on a regular basis. To speak amongst themselves, divri chizik, divri musar, is something that itself is remarkable. And it's something that, um, I don't know if I'm the right person to be the, your PR man, but it's, it's a dover that's, that's worthy to be mefarsim, that in communities that people should understand, that people uh, as, as a group coming together to hear on a regular basis be mechazik each other, it's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous inyan, something which you should not uh, underestimate its value and understand its chashivas. <clears throat> Holding at this time of year, as we prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah, so the thoughts in a person's mind are how does one think about uh, being prepared for Rosh Hashanah, for Yom HaDin, thinking about tshuva, thinking about standing in front of the Bayre Eilom and, and being judged. So if I can just share a thought, what I think is perhaps, um, it may seem overly simplistic, but I think it's the aside of what tshuva is about. Hilchus tshuva has many different requirements and different steps. You look at Rabbein Shari Chuva, it sp- speaks about the different steps that are needed in Shuva. But I think if we could put tshuva into a a human perspective perhaps we can appreciate and understand where all these steps come from and the purpose of all these steps. But sometimes you have halachas that have steps, there's a process, you follow the steps, you follow the instructions and then you you've carried out whatever you're trying to accomplish. So tshuva seems that way also. You follow the steps, and you've accomplished the the process. But I feel that it's a process, but it's a process that we could relate to as human beings. If we were to put it into our own words, I think we would end up with something that resembles, if not is identical to what the Chazal tell us and the Rishon tell us. Imagine you have a situation where you have two people who have a very close relationship. And then there's a, there's a breach in the relationship. It was a relationship where there was ultimate trust, complete trust, complete commitment, complete dedication. And then there's a breach, and one party, party A, breaches the trust, breaches the sense of commitment, breaches whatever the relationship is. But he, There's a break, there's a breach in that relationship. So the relationship has been destroyed. The party that is we'll call it the victim, the other party B, there's no trust, there's no the feelings are lost, there's no relationship. Because the relationship was built on commitment. A would like to restore that relationship. How do how do you restore the relationship? How do you restore a relationship that seemingly has been destroyed? So if one were to think about it in human terms, so A comes to B, and he apologizes. Is it sincere? Is it lip service? Does he really mean it? And B thinks to himself, is it something A wants from me? does A realize how painful it was? Does A realize that going forward it's hard to have the sense of trust that it'll never happen again? B thinks to himself, does A understand how how serious the breach was? Does he really get it? That's what's going through B's mind. So you turn to A and you say to A, You would like be to be in agreement to reinstate that relationship. So what does it take to reinstate the relationship? Number one, he has to understand how terrible it was, the breach. If he doesn't have a real understanding of how terrible it was, then again, the apology is very superficial. You You bump into somebody and you knock him over, and you don't realize that because you knocked him over, he broke broke a leg, I'm sorry, gave That's not an apology. The, the ramifications, the impact, is part of what you have to know you did in order to be actually capable of saying I'm sorry. How sorry are you if you don't realize the implications, the ramifications of what you did? So the first thing is the person has to understand How serious is it? How terrible was what I did? This breach, was it so serious? Was it so terrible? If he doesn't begin to understand how terrible it was, he can't even start. He begins to think about it. He begins to understand, what does it mean when I have that kind of relationship and I wasn't faithful, I wasn't committed, I wasn't honest, He begins to think about, just in the relationship itself, how terrible it was. And then you ask this person, A, could you imagine doing it again? Do you think it's possible you could do it again? Do you think that if the situation arose, that you would be overcome with other interests, that it would be a challenge and maybe would happen again? Now if a person, we make mistakes in life, people do things and they they repeat the mistakes. You, know, you have people who will do things that they end up in the emergency room because they overindulge in something and then it doesn't take much, much time before they're back again because human beings have an ability to block things out of their mind somehow and it won't happen this time. So sometimes when a person even has a horrible experience he has the ability of forgetting somehow how horrible it was so we're going back to A and asking A are you, are you really remorseful? if you could turn the clock back if you could turn back the clock, what would happen? is it push it, you'd never do it? at the time you struggled, would you struggle again? Or is it so horrible in your mind, so unthinkable, that when you think about it, you shudder? When you think about it, you feel sick to your stomach. You can't look at yourself in the mirror because you feel, I was a horrible, terrible person. Now, it's not a pleasant experience. But if A wants to persuade B, I'm, I'm doing tshuva. I want to reinstate the relationship. This is really what A is trying to do. A is not trying to just persuade B. A sincerely has that level of remorse because he destroyed their friendship. He did something so horrible that he can't live with himself. He can't sleep at night. Every time he thinks about it, he becomes sick to his stomach. At a certain point, B says, you know, He really means it, it's it's real, and you can start rebuilding that trust and that sense of dedication and commitment. Now this little story is what we all have to think about when we think about the Rav Anish He's the one who created us, he's the one who gives us life, he gives us everything. And we're not perfect, and we're human beings and we have our struggles. So what does he want from us? What he wants from us is to understand ourselves, to realize that the things that we do that are not right, that we should improve on, that we shouldn't minimize them and just look at them as something that I can brush away with a, a very uh, flimsy apology, just flimsy, I'm sorry, won't do it again, and move on. What he wants from us is something real, something sincere. But again, it's not a question of, you know, the person mistakenly ate some poison, so he has to be careful next time not to eat the poison. It's the relationship. The Ravon Shlom gave us mitzvahs, and he gave us things to do and not to do. It's not just simply the Ravon Shlom's diet, that the Ravon told us what foods are off limits. It's the way to live, to be his nation. And ultimately, when we follow his directives, <coughs> It's primarily because we're listening to him to be his nation. And the biggest, if we could use the term, pain, that Urban has is that he wants us to be his nation, his Am Sagula. He wants to have that kurva which comes about through being his nation. And that's, again I'm using the term, human terms, keviyocho, that's the biggest pain, that's the biggest chaval. Of course, the Rebbein Shalom gave mitzvahs, they're not arbitrary, it's for our, it's our good, it's good for us. What's the biggest pain that the Rebbein Shalom has? It's because the relationship is strained. Because if we don't listen to him, it's not a dictatorship, it's a relationship. If we don't listen to him, he's our king, he wants to give us whatever is good for us, and in a sense we're not letting him because our behavior is not perfect. So when we think about Tshuva entering the Yemei Hadin, and, every, and nobody is perfect, and nobody is a machine, and everyone has struggles, and Rabbi Yisrael knows that. But what does He want us to think about? He wants us to think about Him. He wants us to think in a sincere sense, there's a Rabbi Yisraelim, He cares for us, in a sense He cares for us more than we care for ourselves, because He knows what's good. And all he wants is that we should recognize him, think about him in our daily lives. So as much as entering the Yemei Hadin is something that's daunting, could be overwhelming, because there's so much that the Rabbi Shum does for us and we're so imperfect, but this is really what he wants. He just wants us to think about him in a very sincere fashion. Not to minimize what we've done, not to make believe that what we've done is not that is negligible, it's not negligible he doesn't want us to feel overwhelmed and that we're lost he doesn't want us to feel that it's a lost cause he wants us to turn to him but primarily he wants us to think about the Rabbanish Shlelem, live our lives thinking about him as we go through our day, I think about him I think about him of course when I daven I think about him when I'm at work I think about him when I interact with people <clears throat> I think about what does he want if a person just brings their Shalom into his mind <clears throat> that's the first step in, in, this, in moving towards repairing that strained relationship I, I, I feel that perhaps it's overly simplistic in the way I'm presenting it but I feel that's the of all the complicated Hilchus tshuva. When you read through the Rambam and the Rabbeini Yain, and it, they tell you the different steps. It's their way of presenting, I think, this idea of trying to restore a strained relationship. We should all be zaychatu to sima And again, I just want to chazer over again. I feel it's remarkable that an oylem should have a kviyas, to come together, to be mechazek each other, to hear Musa from each other, It's a wonderful thing, and it should spread and claw your face.